and welcome to Minute 111 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-ki-yay our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Mark Hoffmeyer of Movies, Films, and Flicks, the Deep Blue Sea Pod, and Con Air Pod. Welcome back to the show, Mark, for this season. Oh, no, happy to be here. In honor of this, I put on a white tank top and I just ran through a bunch of leaves and muck and mud and dirt and grass. Got it super dirty, climbed through my air ducts. So, yeah, I'm actually recording this inside of an air duct inside my home. Oh, is, that's, what the, that's what the reverberations are that I'm hearing yeah, in the background? When the air conditioning comes on, it's going to get loud. I just want everyone to know. But it's winter, so they it probably won't be coming on. Maybe the heat. Who knows? I might be, you know, I'm, it might be a little chilly, but if you hear a lot of wind pummeling me because I'm in the air ducts recording this episode for you, Movie Rob. Okay, well, we we know that the, the, the weather around Christmas time in Georgia is a little different than it is in uh, L.A., you know. Yeah, yeah it's, so. it's, you know, we got down to 35 last night, and I know a lot of northerners right now are going, oh, yeah, that's not cold, but it's the south, y'all. It's cold. Well, it's, we're recording this in October, October, so that's fine, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh you know no but but in like december time how do oh. you guys get do you guys get snow at all or not oh yeah we get a couple snows a year better than la like you said with die hard uh yeah, yeah i mean we definitely we, we get hit a couple times yeah i would you know I've, I've had some good christmases with snow i mean we're not talking you know iowa snow but it's a good snowstorm for the south i like it. okay great yeah that works that works all right so episode it's more one. die hard two than die hard one some more diehard too. So there's flurries in in Dullis. That's what you're saying. Yeah, there's yeah, there's exactly. flurries, flurries, flurries in Georgia. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, that, that, that's fair. That's fair. But you know, Die Hard Two was was uh, part of it was uh, filmed in uh, I think Denver, and then another part of it was in upstate Michigan. So yeah. you know, it's a, it's a little colder than it is in 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 even in in Washington. You know, Freddie Harlan doesn't that. play. He, no. he goes on location. He'll go to the Alps or Cliffhanger. He doesn't care. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But people will have to wait probably another year till we start talking about. Uh, well, actually, it won't be a year till we start talking about Die Hard 2. But uh, you know, <laughs> mid mid 2023, the oh. the plan is to start with Die Hard 2. So you know, Mark will obviously be back to talk about Remy Harland, you know, and stuff like that. But we'll, I call, we'll, we'll, I call we'll the snowmobile That's... snowmobile action scene. I call it right now. <laughs> all right well that, those so, are my minutes all right they're, they're yours you have to remind me when when i start pre-production because that's season five season four is something else that, that you already know what it is because you're going to be on but you know our listeners don't yet know what season four is so we'll, we'll finish up with season four and then hopefully around may season five will begin so yeah you'll probably be i guess the the, the, the snowmobile scenes are probably like in september october something like that next year so you're, you're going to have to wait a little while. Minute bug. You've yeah. been bitten. No, nah, you know, it, it's like, uh, you know, it's it's like the uh, spider that bit uh, Spider-Man. You know, it just makes me stronger. <laughs> have you ever fought a ballerina? Have ever fought a ballerina? No, I have okay, not. Have you? The, the minute we're talking, no, I haven't. But the minute we're talking about, it's a pretty good ballerina. You know, John McClane's fighting a ballerina. That's or true. A, a That's true. Well, it's like most, old... most of this week, but we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. Start, you know, hold, hold those, hold those thoughts, Mark. We'll, we'll get there. So minute one eleven, be- yeah. <laughs> minute one eleven begins with Hans listening to the radio as he reaches into his pocket and ends with Carl using another 
WWF move on John. So we, we ended things on Friday with uh, our, our, our good friend Thornburg, you know, uh, talking on TV. And we started hear him, hearing him say, you know, your mom and dad, and then things got cut off. So today we're going to actually hear the continuation of that. You know, we, we hear him on the screen uh, uh, from the TV saying, you know, your mom and dad are very important people. They're very brave people. So is there something you would like to say to them if they're watching? So first of all, the I, I love the way that, that they just give us the audio at the beginning. You know, and we see Hans as, you know, first of all, you have the whole the thing with the lights in the back, you know, the light flares. The flare. and, and it just really, it looks very cool, you know, as the whole thing is is uh, moving forward. You know, and, and uh, they, they do a good job of focusing first on Hans and then quickly switching to Holly and then back to Hans and stuff like that. Now, my biggest question at this stage is you can already see in Hans's face some sort of recognition here. So something is is just completely off here. With, with the like how can he make this connection i mean we're, we're going to continue talking about it later in this minute with, with when he looks at the picture and, and stuff like that but but initially where, where does this idea come from like what is making hans suspicious well did you he know, see the photo when uh, bonnie bedelia put it down no when she no no oh, was, no hmm. no uh, maybe she just looks like maybe the daughter look maybe mary elizabeth winstead looks like i mean the, the young the young mary elizabeth yeah this is a live free or die hard reference yeah I yes mean, no i i know I, think, I know i know the reference <laughs> i think he just kept, we need more timothy oliphant in this movie by the way no i i think that i just think he's a sharp guy i think he saw the daughter maybe caught a a, a similarity but two and two together i mean you can't i mean alan rickman probably does this every day he's a super smart guy that's why they cast him so I think he just was on to it, saw the frame coming up. Maybe he saw that it was he saw that it was down earlier, picks it back up, sees it. Oh, there we go. But I do I just want to say, Jan DeBond's camera work in this movie is beautiful with the, yes. the flares. For I sure. mean, it's 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 like meat and potatoes filmmaking. I, I wouldn't say there's too much there's really no fancy shots, no Dutch angles, whatever, but there's some great rack focusing in this minute between the gun and that, and then her and him, the change of focus, the the um camera flares. It's just a beautiful looking movie. Uh, yeah, I think for they, sure. they got pretty lucky with their location too. I mean, what a, what a great location to shoot in. But that's I was immediately caught by the cinematography as soon as you turn this on, as soon as it goes to Gruber, just the widescreen, him in frame, the camera flares, just beautiful. I feel like J.J. Abrams ripped off most of his career on on these shots right here. But it's Why not? just I don't know. <laughs> this movie makes me constantly happy. This scene and just the way that he, I mean. Just the way that he, gr I know I'm jumping ahead, and I won't jump ahead in a minute. You like your, well, you know, we'll move in in uh, in order, so I won't yeah. do it. But just the like everything about his performance in this minute, he just adds this little bit of style to it. I was watching Werewolf uh, by Night the other night, and Gar Gail Garcia Barnal just had to do a sitting scene, but he spun twice then sat, and it's just such and a little quirk that you get when you hire such good actors. And just watching this scene, and it's nice knowing that, you know, I watched the the movies that made us, the documentary on Netflix. Mm -hmm. It's nice knowing that uh, Rickman didn't have his limp wrist when he was shooting the gun. Yeah. Uh, which was just kind of funny. So he shoots that. Uh, he shoots it very fast in the air. No, it's just a beautiful shot. And I just, what a moment. 
Yeah. What a moment. No, it's 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 done really well. There's no question about that. But but yeah. again, I mean, you 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 did jump ahead a little bit here because he doesn't look at the picture yet. That's the whole thing. You know, the, my 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 question is, what is causing him? What's causing the wheels to move in his mind that that they're talking about Holly? You know, because again, they're saying your mother, your your mother and father. Okay, it means that there is a couple there. Your mom and dad. Yeah. Sorry, there's a couple there. You know, has has he? gone through every single person to figure out who's coupled there. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense from that perspective, you know, for him to, to quickly, you know, figure it out. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You know what it was? Remember when she was talking to him earlier and she looked at the photo, then he looked around and looked. Okay. So he was like, oh, well, something's up. Something's weird. And then he saw her looking at the TV again with a look of like shock on her face. He remembered her look at the photo. Then he pops it up. So Remember earlier in the movie when she's eyeballing that? And he's like, mm -hmm. hey, what are you looking at? Of course. So I bet you when he saw her looking at the TV with the shock look on her face, he put two and two together and flipped it up and saw the picture. He remembered that from earlier and the photo on the like that was down. That's my best bet because wow. that actually seems okay. quite logical. Okay. That, 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 that makes sense. That definitely if makes you look sense. If look at the other people's faces during this scene, she has the look on her face. Like she kind of does the, and then he sees it. Really you mean the Roxette look? Yeah, like the upset work. And, <laughs> no, yeah, I said just, the Roxette. Oh, Roxette. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the like, look. Yeah, and, and so, oh, the, oh gosh, she's got the look. Uh, but yeah, I think that's it. I think he just puts two and two together, and and then you get a nice jaw scene. Man, they really did a lot of dolly work in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think that's it. I think he just remembered the photo. I think that's it. He... Okay. All right. Later on, when we talk about the script, we'll see that in the script is it's different, and Ooh. there it makes more sense. But we'll, okay. we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. I think that makes okay. sense, though, right? You yes. you could put that together. It, it definitely yada, makes yada. sense. It definitely makes sense what you're saying. Now, first of all, you know, we we see that Hans then looks over to the TV as. Uh, Thornburg is talking, and then we we get to see the the shot on the TV. So we see you know little Lucy, and she. What what's funny is before she responds to what he says, she looks up at I guess Paulina, who's who's probably standing there, you know, for guidance or something like that. And then she says, "Come home," yeah. <laughs> you know, in a very uh, you know plead, pleading type of way that only a child can do. I guess you can say. Now, one of the things that, that, that you probably know the answer to is, you know, and, and you know, we, we all have seen these, and I'm, I'm looking at you and I see it also, okay, th that many microphones have foams on them, have like a foam on them, okay? Yeah. Do you, do you know why? Do you know the purpose of them? Because in the shot here, Lucy, you know, when she's, she looks up at Paulina and then she says, come home, so she's talking into a microphone that has a foam on it. Now, most of us who do movies by minute or any other podcasts and stuff like that, so you know, most people have microphones that have foams on them or whatever. So, wh wh do you know the purpose of having a foam? Like, what does it do? Well, I mean, you know that this is a um, like you know it's a windscreen, and so these people are typically on the road. A lot of a lot of TV crews like these these things are called windscreens, foam windscreens, and so I bet you they're just used to being on the road. They're used to traveling. They're news crews. They don't know what it's like in a house. They don't know if an air conditioner's on, a heater's on, whatever. So you just bring that on. It's just best practices, I think. You want to have that. You want to uh, collect. You know, if you're, if you're, you know, it could be called a pop filter. Well, no, you put the pop filter in front of the foam. 
but yeah, I think you just need that for the wind. I mean, when I was on location a lot working on reality shows, you have some super wind covers that you put over this. It just blocks the wind. It filters out. You get the noise you want. It, there's less noise that you have to deal with later on in the edit. So I, I think for any news crew, they always have those. Any news crew you see, for the most part, I would say, unless they have like a super condensed microphone, there's typically a foam covering or, you know, a windscreen that protects the microphone from gusts of air that get into it, you know? Okay, that makes sense. So I, I did a little bit of research and I found that there are three different reasons why people have foam, why, why they started putting foam on microphones. Okay, so one of them is what you said. It eliminates the sound of fans or wind that are blowing in the work area. Okay, a lot of people, uh, you know, the, the sound of a fan as it blows across you and ultimately onto your headset uh, transfers the fan sound to, to anyone you're talking to or you're recording so you can hear them also. Uh, it can, one thing, it can be distracting to whoever you're, you're, you're recording or talking to. Um, and it also makes a much more difficult audio experience later on when you're dealing with the editing. So that's exactly what you said. So I found two other reasons of why people use them. One of them is it, it improves the audio quality. Okay. How you actually sound when you're talking. Because there are many words that start with like the letters S or T and P. And sometimes it's it's hard to distinguish between them uh, because of the way that people talk, right? So what it does is when you have this foam on the microphone, it reduces the hissing sound of your S and the popping sound of your P's. And, you know, it helps uh, make the words come out a little better. I mean, I make people buy pop filters sometimes for their mics when they're too heavy on the p or p or t like so yeah i definitely pop, yeah you got to have a pop filter windscreen that definitely cuts down the heavy p yeah which is nice snap crackle and pop right yeah, yeah. that's right <laughs> and then the third reason is is that it, it actually extends the life of of a microphone okay because uh when you talk so obviously you know a lot of times there's there you go there <laughs> mark's just motioned there's moisture that comes out Okay, and therefore this this moisture can accumulate on the microphone and will eventually, you know, cause it to, uh, you know, uh, it, I guess wear and tear. It, it just won't work as well later on. And, uh, you know, a lot of people also uh, sometimes eat or drink while they're using a microphone. So therefore there's going to be other uh, forms of, uh, I guess, liquid coming out of your, uh, <laughs> out of your, out of your mouth when you're talking. You know, even even small little minute ones can actually, uh, you know, cause problems. So Absolutely. people try to. Uh, so th those are the three things that I found. And if you don't have that, you need it. You need it. Like you just do it, buy it, yeah. get it. Right. But it also depends on the type of microphone you use. I mean, I use a headset. So for me, yeah. you know, I'm just using an earpiece and therefore I don't I don't feel that I need it. But, you know, I know hopefully. gamers too. Like, you know, you have the things that goes over your mouth. A lot of people don't have that as right. well. Just the mic right there, but still you do catch the, you still catch the pop, 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 right. like that. Or the biggest problem with the headset is when you have a heavy breather on your podcast, you get the, <laughs> you know, the, and then you go through your file and you have to find them all. Uh, but you know, like that, that's fine too. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not their fault, but I do definitely recommend that. I mean, I, you know, you shoot on sets and, you know, a lot of people, when they use lavs, they can tape it to inside their shirts and they're on a studio soundstage. So you don't need really to have the, the foam cover because right. you would see it through the shirt. But I mean, shoot, you're on location. Get it. Get that foam cover. 
Exactly. Get, get, get all those things. Like get them all. Buy them. Prevent that wind. <laughs> so, did you notice that that the the TV that that Hans is looking at or listening through or whatever? It's also a radio. Oh wow! If oh yeah. Can, <laughs> it has it has you know a a band that that shows all the 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 radio uh, uh, numbers on there, and then it has a separate number for for the TV stations. I want one of those. That's like YouTube before YouTube. <laughs> I don't know if you really want one of those. That's, it's, I wish it's, I had one of those. You wish you had one of those in 1988, or you wish you had one of those now? I, now. <laughs> Jam I'm, out. You, watch you could tunes. probably find one. You could probably find one uh, pretty cheap. You yeah, know, not working probably. Uh, that's possible. Get the, anten- get the antennas going. When the there Wi-Fi go. goes down, just mess with the antennas. You're set. <laughs> that's right. And All then these- the, the shot quickly yeah. changes between uh Holly and then Hans and then back to Holly. You know, then and you mentioned about Jan de Bont, and it just he does a great job here. Or this is actually more the editing, but still the the way that the shots go between them just really works. And at this point Hans turns around and then looks behind him at the, the pictures and sees one that's lying flat down. And you know and he like turns really quickly to see it. It's like you know, you see, like, in his mind, it just snaps really quickly. It's like, oh, and he quickly turns around and then checks it and then picks up the picture and notices a picture of John, which obviously wouldn't have worked had he not met John earlier. So this is another This is another thing. We, we've discussed this many times over the course of this, this talking about Die Hard, how there's so many little elements that are building blocks in this movie. And here's another one. You know, had they not had that scene where they accidentally meet each other, you know, they wouldn't have had this. I'm amazed at the amount of screenwriting that they were doing, writing during the production of this, that this movie is so tight. Yes. This, I mean, you have D'Souza, you have, you know, you have, um, oh, geez Louise, why did I forget the name of the director? Uh, McTiernan, you have a, a really talented cast, good DP. So, I mean, I, I know they put it together, but the fact that it's just so tight with the toes, with the socks, with the glass, I mean, just, ugh. This movie has a lot of walkie-talkie usage, though. I want to go through all the diehards and see. I think diehard movies are better. There's always a phone aspect to diehard movies, by the way. Yes. You have the phone lines going down in in Live for Your Die Hard. You have the third one, which is all about pay phones. Yeah. Which wouldn't work today. <laughs> no, not at all. But yeah, I know it's kind of fun. Like I, I and. Also, they're on open lines a lot. People are really hearing some conversations here. Yeah, I mean, we, we discussed a... that so much in this movie. In this movie, I mean, I think that's the reason that in the second one, they decided to put a code into the CVs, you know, to make it a little more difficult for people to listen in. But but this is these are party lines. There's no question yeah. about that. You could be in the apartment next door, just jamming out, listening or, to this. Or down in the parking lot. Yeah, exactly. With a, with, in a limo with a bear. Yeah. Uh... I would love it. I'd love to party in that limo. Just hang out with a bear and a disco ball on the phone. That'd be a good night. No, I I, I know some mama bears if you're you're hot to try. (laughs) (laughs) No, but yeah, just the way this plays out, his reaction, Bonnie Bedelia's acting. I mean, just the shots that they play in and the way they dolly in on the face, the the way they they like zoom right in. It's just that there's some really interesting motion going on. And I mean, inside this office, there are some pretty legit floodlights, by the way. I just want to give the people yeah. floodlight props. But 
but you know, but I mean, just ah, he puts his gun up in the air and yeah. I'm jumping in your way. I'll let you go. No, that's okay. Then, then he, he quickly looks at the picture and then he, he looks around. And at this point, Holly figures it out that he has figured it out. And then he looks over, Hans looks over and says, Mrs. McLean, how nice to make your acquaintance, which again, even in this type of situation, he's, He's still being as polite as possible, even when he's brandishing a gun. You know, now, if you look when when he says that, there is a woman behind Holly who holds her hand up against her, her mouth. Yeah, I see. Right? I got to pause right there. You know, at the, that's at second 22 where that happens. Yep. Now, I, I, you know, she she figures it out. This is this is the woman who at one point we we uh, we said that this is probably Ellis's secretary, you know. Oh, yeah. But I mean she she this woman has figured it out that that uh that Hans has figured it out. So it's just <laughs> really funny just looking at the the way that it is. And then then what we need to work on their poker faces. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. <laughs> and then Hans takes a gun and shoots into the ceiling. Which which is really funny cuz like what 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 is he attempting to do there besides scare them? You know, you, you don't usually shoot into the ceiling because you could hit something and it's going to ricochet or or something like that. You know, it's not it's not the Jack brightest thing to do. That's right. Shoot something, have a land on his head. There you go. The the chandelier would fall down. <laughs> That'd be amazing, Gruber. That would be land on him and end of end of Gruber. Right, and then we we see like everyone flinching around there, and then. He doesn't like walk out into the to to the mezzanine area. He he like runs out, which is really slides. funny. And he then he yeah. slides. Exactly, it's great. You know he's That's he's what doing. You get with actors like this. You get yes. a, you don't get the walk. You get the slide. That's right. You definitely get the slide with him. And the music becomes very dramatic once again. And then he turns to to Uli, and and says. No, first of all, he says to everybody, on your feet, everyone, to the roof. And then he turns to Uli and he says, lock them up there and come right back. Now, first of all, I find it really funny that he says, lock them up there. You know, that, that's a very strange uh, comment. I mean, we know what his plan is, anyone who's seen the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to have everyone up on the, But you want to lock them up there? Like, why? You just want to get them up there. Yeah, just get them up there and lock them. So then you can't deal with them for the rest of the night. That's right. Like they're up there. I I don't know about locking. It's just very strange to you know get them up onto the roof and then just uh, keep them stuck on the roof. I don't know. Get them up on the roof. Get them some soda. <laughs> well, if it's Uli, you got to give him a few uh, more candy, candy bars. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Speaking of Big Trouble in Little China, he's in Big Trouble in Little China. Yes, he is. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, and, and a few weeks ago, and a few weeks ago, when when Eric Deutsch was on, who was you know he did, did the minute by minute of Big Trouble in Little China, which was uh, uh, five minutes of trouble. So he 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 was very happy to get those scenes of uh, Uli eating candy bars. I mean, I just we, love three days three that. days of talking about candy bars. Oh, what a great time! I mean, I'll, <laughs> I've I've written a lot about candy bars, so it'll be a great discussion. But no, all right, so lock them out. Like, well, get in there. Lock them. I mean, I don't want to deal with these people anymore. We're moving on with our ploy. Get them yeah. out of here. Lock them up. Exactly. And yeah. And then it looks like complete pandemonium. You know, it looks like something that would happen in an airplane. You know, when, <laughs> when you know, <laughs> and we're and we're out of coffee. You know, like like people are not 
all going in an orderly fashion. I mean, again, we, we know that there may be 30 um, hostages, more or less. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's been very, it, I try counting at some point, but it's just very difficult. But when, when Hans runs out to grab Holly, so you see people running in every which way. You know, it's not as if they're all moving to the right or moving to the left or moving behind. There's there's some that are going to the right, some that are going to the left, and some uh, some behind, some forward. You know, it, it maybe they're doing like some sort of uh, dance step or something like that. You know, I'm, I mean, there could be two stairwells that lead to the roof. So one's going one direction, the other one's, and also too, Hans is so chill that when he comes sliding out of the room, doing his best disco impersonation, shooting a bullet into the ceiling. No, then he shoots. Frazzled. He shoots more when he comes out. Yeah. When he's yeah, so when he's yeah, sliding, he, sh he, sh mm -hmm. he shoots. Uh, uh, how many more times does he shoot? Uh, I think he shoots uh, twice. Yeah, he has two point. shots total. He shoots up. Yeah, he shoots again. He right. shoots up, and then he slides out of the room. Yeehaw! And then shoots up in the air. So, and then he starts pointing the gun. He throws his hand out, pointing the gun. So yeah. I think people are, listen, they're freaking out. It's been a long night. You have a you have a guy sliding out of a room, a dapper man sliding out of a room that's pretty pretty chill. He's shooting guns, he's pointing it, he's being kind of willy nilly. You're gonna freak out. I give yes. it. I, I feel for these people. I don't. And also, he didn't really have an exact plan for them. He just kind of came out shooting. So I bet people freaked out. Correct. I think that's fair. Yeah, it makes sense. Correct. And then he like walks through the crowd and grabs Holly by the by the arm, you know, and uh, she looks pretty shocked. You know, that he's actually move. done that. Yeah. It's a really great spin move. Yeah. If if she knew, you know, some sort of uh, martial arts, she could have gotten out of it pretty quickly. But apparently not. You know. Judo throws Alan yeah. Rickman. <laughs> that would have been funny. And then the music once again gets very dramatic. And then we, we're on them for a few seconds, and then the shot changes. And we, we get snot and blood just dripping from John's nose. <laughs> I love snot and blood. Great combo. They, they they do it great. They do it really well. And then you know the the, the rest of this minute will be fighting between Carl and, and John, which started last week, but it'll continue now. So Carl walks around him and, and kicks him, and then John squeals as as he falls to the ground, and then he starts to get up, and he sees something in the corner of his eye, and then they they, they do a great job of the focus here, where they first focus yeah, the on John. Focus. And then, then they focus on the gun, you know, so we see what, what he's looking at. And then Carl walks around him again and kicks him in the face. And then John, uh, you know, starts getting up and then Carl kicks him a, another time. And then John staggers back and Carl then jumps into the air. As we were talking about at the beginning of this minute of the ballerina shot, you know, jumps in the air and he kicks him in the face, you know, I mean, once again. Bruce Willis's stunt double gets a lot of play in this scene. Yes, for sure. I don't think I ever noticed it until analyzed. When you do these minute by minute, you have to find material. So you stare at the screen. I was like, wait a second. That is a, that's a different human being on that part yeah. right there. But he takes some good bumps. I mean, he was moonlighting at the time. Willis didn't have time for stunts. He didn't have time to fight a ballerina. That's Bruce true. Had a horrid end, which makes me very sad. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about in real life. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what are there any like henchmen versus hero fights that you love? I put together a fun list of henchmen. So like number one henchman versus hero. I put together a fun list. Do you want to hear it? Sure, I'd love to hear it. All right. So in the raid, one of my 
favorite all-time action films, Rama fights Mad Dog. And that is one of the most beautiful hero versus number one henchman fights. Then I have Goldeneye, where Bond fights Xenia uh, on the top. Uh, played ah, by Fonfrey sure. Johnson. Beautiful fight. You have Arnold versus Bennett in Commando. Let out some steam. Just a See, beautiful... actually, I didn't, I didn't like that one because I don't think Bennett is a good enough... Uh, you know, he, he's, he's not on the Physical same level match. As, as John Matrix. Sorry. That's why I love it. That's why I love it because it's so absurd. Like this guy, he has no muscle and he's wearing a chainmail vest. <laughs> exactly. Like it's just a very odd, and he screams and he's talking about cutting off balls and he's, it's an odd fight. I think that's yes. why I like it because it has character. Okay, that's uh, fair. And then I like I like in Kill Bill when Bride fights Gogo Gogo sorry uh, Gogo when uh, you know she's Oreni she's number one. That's a beautiful fight. And then mm-hmm. last but not least, you have to have this Dalton versus Jimmy in Roadhouse. You gotta have that rain fight right there. Beautiful rain. That's fight. Roger and Marcy will be very happy that you mentioned that. Yeah, but yeah, oh yeah, I, I was on that show. That, that was fun. I had a good yeah, time so on that. We talked so about that. we talked about bouncing. But yeah, I mean, you gotta drop Ro- Roadhouse. But I love a good. This is what Die Hard's so good at. The henchmen are so good, and this number one henchman is so good. I mean, just just he, he and his brother. He like it's very rare that Carl Carl has a side story where his brother's killed and he wants revenge like it's a whole you've already talked about this but it's such good motivation and this fight i feel like has stakes too because you know there's beef between these two guys correct so i love that about him like it's, a, well, it's what i love fight what i love about this fight and we're going to talk about it all week is the fact that you know john he's fighting he, his, his fighting style is, is street fighting and mm-hmm. carl is a more professional type of of uh of fighter you know, yep. forget about the ballerina aspects of it, but he's he's trained, you know, mm-hmm. and they they're still matched really well. You know, it's not as if Carl is just kicking his ass the whole time. Well, you know, there's yeah. a lot of fighters who you got to make it ugly. You got to close the You got to close the distance on Carl. Like you can't be open for his. He has the reach on McLean and he has the kicks. And so he probably has the cardio, too. So for Bruce to win, I'm sorry, for John to win, he's got to. He's got to make it ugly. Get on the stairs. Get on the floor. Yes, get in close combat. Land the rat. Like McLean's head is made of titanium, so he can take <laughs> a lot of shots. So yeah, I mean, but that's what he does. He makes this fight ugly. And well, there's yes. more to talk about as we move on. Yeah, but I love it. Yeah. yeah. And then the the last shot of this minute is John falling backwards onto some like pipes or something like that. You know, as Carl lunges forward to try to 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 get at him again. It's a weird yeah. move. I don't. I don't think Carl would do that. I don't, no, like I don't think that so either. Aspect. I don't. I don't like, like it either. I mean, it's it's good for John, but it's it's yeah. not not very smart from from uh, Carl's perspective. You know, to to jump on him like that, which which is you know why I I mentioned you know at the beginning that this looks like a you know a WWF uh, move because it's it's not very plausible. It's not something you would expect him to do. I think John is maybe in his head. A little bit and so he's already turned it ugly so then carl's fueled by anger so i think that could work and he's quite impulsive too carl as we've seen him cut those power cables earlier he lives on the edge so you know i think uh i think that explains it yeah i think so too all right so you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script yonder bond is a beast okay you've said that already but you can say it again that's fine i don't like People don't. So I I teach film. I I teach film studies and I teach camera and lighting. 
I teach how to frame shots. And a lot of people just don't understand how to frame a shot successfully, how to keep constant motion. These shots don't have to change your life. They just have to be dynamic. In, like, you know, use the rule of thirds, understand the lighting, understand the shot, know what it's about, know how to create tension by bringing the dolly, by dollying in, zooming in, creating the rack focus, establishing the stakes of what is around you, the photo. Like, it's all editing, it's all cinematography and direction, but the cinematography in this movie, you'll never see a shot that makes you go, oh my gosh, that's a beautiful, you know, Roger Deakins esque shot, but it's so excellent and meat and potatoes and establishes location. So that's what it is. This scene is beautiful. Beyond yeah. the beast. Yeah. He's great here. So the, the, the script actually has, as I teased earlier, there are some, some changes here. Okay. And you know, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss whether we think that they're better for the movie that they cut him out or, or not. Okay. So first of all, it starts off with Thornburg talking on TV where he goes, I know you're proud of your daddy. And then they have a close up of Holly She's speechless, watching in shock as the portable TV shows Thornburg at Holly's house. He's squatting down with his microphone to interview the children in their PJs. His voice is soft, comforting. Thornburg to the children, because he's a very brave policeman, and your mom has shown just as much courage. But is there something you would like to say to them if they're watching? And then it says, John Jr. says nothing, but Lucy looks up at the camera. Come home. So... The script actually, I, I, I'm, I'm a little upset that they cut this part out because the fact that Thornburg says your father's a brave policeman, that to me is the hint that um, that Hans should have gotten. And then he could have put it together that, okay, wait a second, you know, John and Holly are, are together. You know, I, I mean, I understand why they cut it. Because they want us to make, they want to make Hans seem even more more intelligent than than he could be. But still, it it makes sense the fact that in the script it says, you know, your policeman father. You know that type. Of, mm -hmm. What what do you think about that, Mark? Not necessary. I think it's too on the nose. It's too much. I think it gives Gruber credit, but it's like, oh yeah, your policeman father. It's it's. I think it would have made this movie worse. It would have made that more obvious. Uh, I that's what I think. Okay. I think right, that's fair. I yeah. mean, again, yeah. it it does it doesn't make a difference either way because you know yeah. we we both love the final cut, so it doesn't matter mm -hmm. you know what they could have done. But I I just like the fact that the dialogue gives us a hint or gives Hans a hint as to you know trying to put two and two together as opposed to just some random reason for it you know i mean i like i like your your uh reasoning for the fact that okay he remembered that holly looked down at the picture that was facing downwards and that was you know his that was his clue mm -hmm. but for some reason a chess match out of yes. it there's a little bit of a chess match between them yes yes yeah and then it well, continues poker game yeah for sure mm-hmm and then it continues, and it says, Holly struggles to stay composed. She can't. She slowly turns her head, looking at Hans. Mm -hmm. He's looking away from us at the picture of the children on her desk. He turns back and looks at her. He smiles. Mrs. McLean, how nice to make your acquaintance. So in the script, he doesn't pick up the, the, the photo. He doesn't even need to. 
he's figured it out. Mm. You know, which I, yeah. I think I think visually it's much better to see the the the, the picture. You know. Yeah. If this is tough because this, if this was a we I mean you wouldn't be talking about it if it was quote unquote an uneven film, but I feel like this is as near a perfect a movie as you're gonna get, even with yeah. the van inside the uh, yeah the van. For sure. <laughs> but it, it's still like, it's tough um, like, imagining something different. But I mean, from a scriptwriting perspective, it's it's smart to add all of this to give them a decision later to maybe get rid of it. Right. Okay. But that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, then uh, I'm not going to read read it, but it it gets he tells both Uli and Eddie to take everyone upstairs as opposed to just one guy because it's sort of funny, you know, if you're watching and seeing that just one terrorist is taking all 30 plus hostages upstairs. You know, it would have been yeah. much easier for them to to you know to overpower him. I mean, these are people; these these are obviously executives who are scared out of their minds, but but still. You know, if someone were to get a little a little uh, brave, you know, if you only have one terrorist there, it's possible to get get away. So, hmm. but uh, you know, no no one ever tries here. They're they're yeah. they're all a bunch of wusses. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> they all live uh, though, so that's smart. Well, not Uli's... not because of Uli. They live because of John, who yeah, we'll get true. to later this week as to but why Uli they does. Is, I guess if you would have sent two, it would have been easier to. Like, you know, when Uli gets killed, you would have had the other henchmen up there ready to fight McLean. So then, you know, that would have added a wild card element to it. Correct. But that's just more storytelling you don't need. You just got to right. propel this movie exactly. forward. No, no, no. It, it, it makes sense to only have Uli yeah. go there for the from the movie's perspective. You know, there's no question about that. Now, from a script stand, standpoint, though, I understand all of it. I understand yeah. why it's in the script. Mm -hmm. For sure. So it's good on both points. It's good. Yeah. It's good on, yeah. Yeah. Then the the script talks a little bit about the fight. It it obviously is uh, much briefer in 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 the script as opposed to in the movie. And but McLean has another line. Okay. First of all, it says McLean and Carl move towards each other, each sizing the other up, each looking over the terrain. McLean says, "Better this way, isn't it? I mean, any faggot can shoot a gun." Oh. <laughs> this time, Carl doesn't take the bait. Then when he does charge, it's unexpected. The two men fight brutally, Carl bringing years of martial training, of martial arts training to this moment. McLean bringing nothing but the streets. That's so, a good line. It, exactly. I, I like the way they do that. So, yeah. yeah. All right. I'm, I'm sure I'm glad he didn't include that line. Yeah, that for movie, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that would have aged like cheese left outside on a 100-degree day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so every Monday we have a segment called Die Hard on a Monday, where my guests will give their top five Die Hard doppelganger films. So, Mark, what have you got for us? Start with number five and work your way up to number one. All right. So I went a little different because I feel like everyone might have brought up things. So I, I my number five is Three, three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain. It's about <laughs> Marianne Medusa Rogers and her henchmen infiltrate a, a, a amusement park. And they plan on taking control of the rides and using the park's guests as hostages so that the owner, Harry Jacobson, will pay $10 million to keep them safe. And it's up okay. to – I know it's not it's not a lone person, but you have the three ninjas who have to fight them. But the three ninjas have to fight Lothar Zog, played by Jim Varney, who's my boy, Ernest. <laughs> Ernest scared stupid. So, yeah, that's three three ninjas high noon at Mega Mountain. Same plot. They They trap everybody inside on the rides. We want 10 million or, you know, they all die. 
and the three ninjas have to defeat Jim Varney. Okay, I, I can see that. All right. So, my number four, command performance. Dolph Lundgren, 52-year-old Dolph Lundgren. He's a member of a new metal band called CMF. And they are playing uh, a, a concert. They're opening up for like a Britney Spears type performer. And the high-ranking Russian uh, authorities are there. But then terrorists show up and kidnap the daughter and kid of this high-ranking Russian operative. And it's up to Dolph Lundgren as a drummer. He, he breaks a drumstick, stabs it in someone's eye. He's probably the greatest drummer on the planet. And he plays for CMF, which stands for Cheap Mother Effers. And so it's <laughs> Dolph Lundgren and a Britney Spears-type lady running around killing terrorists. Dolph Lundgren directed. And I brought it up to him in Austin, Texas one time. And he shook my hand and we had a nice conversation. Oh, so wow. that's, that's, Dol that's Dolph Lundgren's uh, Die Hard, but at a concert hall. Very Command performance. Look up the promo pictures of it. Like he shoves the drumsticks in the back of his pants. It's really odd. Really odd. <laughs> Number three, 2022, Interceptor. Stars Elsa Pataki. She is, uh, for lack of, like, I don't know if you don't know her, but she's she's in the Fast movie. She's also the wife of Chris Hemsworth. She is, there's two Interceptor launch, launch sites aimed at intercepting any nuclear warhead launches. One's in Alaska, and the, the place is attacked by terrorists, and it's up to Elsa Pataki in a tank top mind you, like John McClane, to defeat yeah, there are, these there terrorists. There are a lot of diehard references in this movie. I, I, I saw yeah, it. It was it was fun. It's not a great movie, okay, but it, it was a fun movie to watch. See, I don't think – I think it knew exactly what it was. It's like we are not Correct. great. We have very cheap sets, but we're going to let Elsa the, – the villain was pretty good. He's another Australian actor, Luke Bracey. But it's just fun. And I, I she got – like like she's an excellent hero. I like the plot. And it's just it's die hard inside a interceptor launch site. Yeah. With Elsa Bataki crushing folks. Number two, Firestorm, nineteen ninety-eight. Opened up next to Titanic, got buried, but it's it's Howie Long, Scott Glenn, William Forsythe, and basically it's about a heroic smoke jumper who gets caught in the middle of a prison break and he has to battle Forsythe and his henchmen during a deadly wildfire. So you that have actually sounds really interesting. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 fun. I mean, you have Scott Glenn, you have William Forsythe, you have some good actors, but it's basically like Die Hard inside of a forest fire. Cool. Yeah, with a good jump kick. So that's it. And number one, it came out in 2022. It's called The Princess, and it has some good some good stair fights. It's with Joey King. It's about a princess who her castle is sieged by Dominic Cooper and Olga Kirilenko. And she is in the tower on her own, left up to her own devices, because she's supposed uh, Dominic Cooper wants to marry her. But this movie's one long action scene, and Joey King did a ton of stunt choreography. It's very fun. Uh, I, I think it's exactly what it meant to be, and it's just a Joey King stuck inside a tower, running up and down, going through secret passageway, passageways like Die Hard, sneaking around, battling people that are tougher than she is, and it's fun. It's you know, I, I know people aren't going to say oh, it's the best movie ever made, but if you watch it, it's just a good time. Like Joey, Joey King puts the work in. So I feel like it's a medieval diehard inside of a castle. Cool. So that's my list. All right. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mark. You're, it's, it's, I know that I can always go to you to, to get a very diverse type of list. So that, that works really well. 
it was tough. I did. A, I put, I was like, what am I going to talk about? I got to talk about something fun. So, yeah, but I'm proud hey, of these five movies. You did a great job with that. All right. Do you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you, Mark? Yeah, I don't know. M. Hoffman, uh, Hoffman on Twitter, Movie Films with Flicks, the podcast, Movie Films on FLIX, Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, Con Air, the podcast. Just look us up. Check us out. Listen to me. It's all, all right. Good. Cool. And finding me is very simple. Yes. Just do a quick search for Movie Around Minute. You can find me on my website, movieroundminute.com. You can find me on Twitter or you can find me on Facebook. All right. So until tomorrow, yippee ki yay. Yippee ki yay.